honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What's going on? You are listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I almost said my video game esport podcast today because I haven't uh, done an intro for this podcast in a while. I actually did this one solo because Dids was out shooting. I think Izzy was sick or something like that. I have no idea. Or he just didn't want to do the episode. I'm not sure. Uh, but I had the opportunity to interview Paul, who's a cold call coach. I'm doing an event with him um, this upcoming February. It's called Young Guns. Just a lot of like young. Um, the audience is for young people, but a lot of just um, professionals, people that have already been there, done that, um, just talking about like how they got there, talking about how they found their success. So I'm super excited about that event. Um, in terms of what's going on for us, we are currently in Q1. We're already having our best year yet in business, and it's 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 only Q1. So just really excited about the growth. We're bringing on new people. Just brought on Tess full time, so you'll probably see more of her on this podcast. But. I don't know, I'm good. The team's good, the company's good. My dog is good, he's sitting over there. But I just, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. And as always, we appreciate any reviews that you can leave us, any um, guests that you wanna see on the show, just let us know. But I hope you enjoy this episode. Can we just talk a little bit about like just what's gone into Young Guns thus far and maybe what it is too for those, those listening? Sure. So events are not for the weak of heart or the faint of heart, I would say. There's, there is an awful lot that goes into that. And I think the, the big thing that goes into event planning is differentiation. I mean, why would you want to go to this event? I mean, yeah. the, the, I think the most precious, sacred resource ever anybody has is time. If, if you could spend time making money, if you can spend time on social media, if you can spend time with your family, heck, if you can spend time and take a vacation, which a lot of us don't do, why would you want to spend time at this event? So I, I think... Coming up with an event like Young Guns or any event in general, the big thing is finding out what that hook is. Why would somebody choose this event? Be it through what information they're going to glean, speakers that you're going to have, unique takeaways that they can't find anywhere else. I think once you start identifying that, everything else comes. You're able to get the speakers because it's something different. You're able to get the sponsors because it's something different. You're able to get... A, a large number of t- attendees because it's something different, but you got to find that out. What is that different thing? And coming up with that for a unique event can be a challenge. What would you say is your differentiator for this event? I think for us, it, it, it's the way we go about discussing what entrepreneurship is. For, for us, an entrepreneur is not a noun. It's not a person. It's not a state of being. It's a verb. It's a state of mind. Kind of like uh, the term Google. I suppose, you know, people say, you know, go to Google. Well, now they're just saying Google it. It's a noun that has become a verb. I, I really think what's unique about this is we're going to show that an entrepreneur, it's nothing more than a state of mind, how you look at life, how you tackle life, how you approach problems, how you problem solve, how you, 
wake up every day ready to ferociously grab the world and stuff it in your pocket. And, and when you look at the keynote speakers that we have, yourself included, I know you're a humble guy, Q, but you're changing the world every day, man, which is why we wanted you there. Uh, all five keynote speakers, they're on the front lines. They're some of the most innovative disruptors on the planet, as, as far as I'm concerned. And then you look at the, uh, the 2020 success panel. Those are people that have been there before, and they're going to look back on their career and offer some unique hindsight and expertise. So I don't think there's been any event like this that celebrates entrepreneurship, but again, not just as a person, as a state of being, but more so a state of mind. And I think people are going to leave with an entirely different perspective, and they're going to be ready to take over the world. Yeah. You say, um, you say state of mind. tonight. I agree. And there's a part of me that's like, damn, like, I don't like that at all. Um, I've worked hard for this entrepreneurship title. Like I deserve this. Like, damn, I wasn't eating for like a year. Like those people are not entrepreneurs. There's a part of me that like just wants to grab onto that. And I like, I, I don't like that part of me. And I just like, fuck that part of me. But like, um, for whatever reason, there's this huge debate between like business owners and entrepreneurs. And like, can you just talk a little bit about that? Is there a difference? Does it matter? Like, why do we care? Like, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people and one of the things that I really like about the term entrepreneur is I don't think entrepreneur has a lot of negative connotations. I mean, can you imagine somebody saying, oh, Q, you're such an entrepreneur. See, but there is, though, like not. So if you go on like Instagram or you go on YouTube for like a, a second, like there was this video. Um, so like things that entrepreneurs do and they're on the camera, you know, they've got their heads in front of their face or like they're actually sitting on the couch and not working. There's a lot of negative associations with the word. Um, but I hear you. I hear you. Continue. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. So, but, but I think when, when you look at in business, when you look at organizations, you know, people that are doing big things, you know, the, the, the way that they grow their business, the way that they solve problems, the way that they come up with ideas. I mean, entrepreneurship, I think, sure, you're always going to have some people in some circles that, that feel a certain way, but um, it's those risk takers. We need more of those risk takers, not, not even just people that go out and start a business, but heck, somebody that might say, I don't necessarily want to start a business, but I want to go outside of my comfort zone. I want to learn a new skill. I want to learn a new trade. I want to, to better myself in some way, shape or form. And I think we have a, an issue in society today where a lot of people enjoy being in their comfort zone. It's safe here. It's comfortable here. I know this here. I, life is okay here. But to have somebody that's willing to break out of that comfort zone, to, to try something new, to, to really dig deep. I don't know about you, but I've learned more from my failures in life than I have from my successes. I've learned way more from the times I fell short in life than the times I exceeded my wildest expectations. And I think not only in society, not only in the business world, but certainly in an event like Young Guns, we're going to celebrate those risk takers and empower and educate people on how best to do that. And I think that's going to be uh, something that's very exciting to be a part of. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm looking forward to it. I really, I really want to dive into and make sure that everybody listens, has those actionable steps. Um, before that, can we just can we talk a little bit about you um, and your association with the word entrepreneur? Like, what are you doing? Um, how'd you get there? What's that? What's that story been? Sure. And I'd, I'd welcome your thoughts on this as well, too, because I think we're, we're similar in some aspects. I'm a restless soul. And I have been for quite a while. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm a spiritual guy and I know that, um, at least in my case, God is pleased with me because of who I am, but I'm never pleased with myself. I'm never satisfied. It's, a, it's this 
itch that I've never been able to scratch. And as time has gone on, I don't know what it is. I just look at life different. I'm certainly no better than you. I would say I'm no more talented than you. I just look at life different. I see opportunity where most people don't. I'm willing to take risks where most people aren't. So first and foremost, I'm the president of the Star Group. It's a independent family-owned agency in Milwaukee, one of the largest in Milwaukee. We're going on two straight years of record revenue growth. The, the, the ability to take, with all due respect, a boring concept like insurance and make it fun, make it innovative, make it different, make it unique. I, I lose sleep at night thinking about all the great stuff we can do in the world of insurance. But then outside of that, just because of, of my interest in growing, creating, trying new things, uh, I've owned a company called The Cold Call Coach for over five years. Now, cold calling, talk about something fun and exciting. Most people tell you cold calling is dead. Those people are lazy. They're, those people aren't willing to dig deep and try something new. Um, so I, I work to, to teach people how to effectively cold call. Um, C-Suite for Christ is a relatively new endeavor. We've been doing that for about a year. It's an association where Christian business executives get together. That's growing like gangbusters, partnering with growing someone like, like you. gangbusters, I like that. Yeah, you, you got to mix it up from time to time, you know? <laughs> partnering with you in an event like Young Guns. There is just so much out there. And only one of my regrets, Q, is I've only got one life to do this. And I don't know when my last day is going to be. I hope this isn't true, but you could be the last human being I converse with. If that's the case, I want to leave it all on the table. I owe that to you. I owe that to myself. I owe that to the people watching this. And um, because I don't know when my last day is going to be, I want to leave it all on the table and make sure that I'm leaving the world a better place than the one I found. Is it always like that? Is it always this much energy? Pretty much. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know how else to describe it. Believe it or not, I'm going on three hours of sleep. It's. Um, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm a guy that is very passionate, and one of the things that I really love about my lot in life right now is I'm passionate about everything that I do. I had a great conversation with Eric before uh, you joined us here today, and life is too short to be anything but. I'm sure you've got people in your life. I know I've got people in my life. I hate my job. Then quit. What are you doing here? I'm passionate about this. I'd like to do something in that field. Well, then do it. One of the things I admire about you is you've had the courage to do that. You know what you want and you do it. The other thing, and I've told you this before, the, the brand that you've established, not only for yourself, but Urban Misfits, people follow you. People admire you. You're, you're changing lives. That's exciting to be a part of. And all the things that I do, all the organizations I'm associated with, that's what it's all about. And that's what makes me happiest. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. And like, that's, that's really cool. I, I would say like, it's been amazing. It's been cool. I'm super passionate about it. I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, where I run into an issue though, is I struggled like hell, you know, like it was, it was terrible. Like there was weeks where I didn't eat. Like there was times where I would grab like these salt cubes. I forget what they're called, you know, like to subside hunger, you know, like I was eating the same rice and chicken with my dog like that that was my life I was renting out my two extra rooms so that I I could live you know I was living for free technically got super super crafty I hate the quit your job right now and do this right now because you should be passionate about it I hate that but it also worked for me you know but I I see so many people quitting their job 
And I see so many people jumping into something when they probably shouldn't jump into something. Not that I should judge, but nothing's happening. They're not making money. They're not closing the deals. They don't even know what they want to do. Just someone told them, quit their job because you're not happy. And I think there's a lot of room to like do things on the side, um, which I didn't have a respect for people that had a side hustle until I actually had a real business that was making real money where I had real employees and real responsibility and guys losing their hair because it's so stressed out. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know, I know you're about to do something you're passionate about and I am too. I'm just, I'm iffy because I keep seeing these young people quit and jump for their ready, mm-hmm. which is can result in something beautiful. Well, but a lot of times it doesn't. Well, here's my question for you though. How, how do you know when you're ready? You don't. I don't think you ever how, are. How do you, how do you, you quantify that? How do you no. measure that? But, Okay, for me, it wasn't a question if I'm ready. I think it was a question if I can do this, you know? Like, in knowing myself, is this actually something that I wanted to do? Is this actually something that I believe that I can do? Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at all. I knew I wasn't ready. You know, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't know what kind of leader I was. I didn't even know what I liked yet. It just kind of worked out. And I leaned into the things that I was I was good at. But I would say most, a lot of the people that jump into entrepreneurship should not be entrepreneurs. Like, hands down, like... That's fact to me and I'm seeing it, I'm watching it and they're doing it, a lot of them for the, the association or the fame. I was at a speaking engagement yesterday, probably the best one I've ever done because I was talking to kids and they were legit, you know, and all of these kids. But there was one guy who's like, what's your net worth? Blah, blah, blah. I want this. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, just all about money, 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 money. And I told him, like, if my company, if my bank account looked like my company account, I'd be very happy. But it doesn't. <laughs> um, and if you're getting into entrepreneurship for that reason... It's probably not. It's probably it's not enough, man. Right. Like, there's got to be something else that you're passionate about. I don't know. No, but, but I, no, but I would agree with you, Q. I mean, it, 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 it's pretty easy and simplistic to say, well, if you're passionate about it, do it. But to your point, you got to be smart. And I think one of the ways that I have known when to jump and I have known what to do is rather than coming up with this idea and forcing it upon the world, I first identified the need, saw the need, and then went where the need led me. So for instance, I was a certified financial advisor with Thriving Financial for three years. That was following the death of my father-in-law. And when he died, he um, didn't have all the things that he probably should have. And when you witness that firsthand, at least for me, I always want to be the change I want to see in the world. I'm not going to say, I wish somebody would do something. I wish somebody would fix this. I'm not a spectator in life. I'm not a bleacher sitter. I'm in the arena doing things. So I made that switch. But for me, I've, I've just, my personality, the, the fact that I like to talk or build relationships, I've always been good on the phone. So I built my thriving financial practice just by cold calling. Well, what started to happen is you'd get some organization say, hey, I'll pay you to write a script. Hey, I'll pay you to train my team. Hey, can I just sit and listen to you make cold calls? I'd say, okay, weirdo, that's not odd or anything. But I was passionate about it, but I didn't know if there was a market for it. I love to cold call. I'll cold call on a Saturday morning, man. That's fun for me. But can I make money doing it? And when I started to see people say, I'll pay you, I'll hire you, we'll bring you in, I was not guaranteed it was going to work. I was not guaranteed that that was going to pay off long term, but I knew I was passionate about it. I knew I was good at it. People started expressing an interest. I jumped, but when I jumped, I jumped all in. Now we're in 120 countries around the globe. Cold Call University has been translated into 34 different languages. Before joining the Star Group, I had clients in 42 different countries. Passion's got to be there, but to your point, I can't just say, well, I'm passionate about making Fabergé eggs. I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. There's got to be a need for it. And you got to be smart before you make the switch. You got to be good enough. Hmm? Hmm. 
What was that? What was that transition like? What was the time period before it's like, okay, I'm I'm making real money, or is it right away? No, was <laughs> certainly wasn't right away. I mean, gosh, we had a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Credit cards were maxed out. Bank account was at zero. That's actually how I started getting in my habit of waking up as early as I do. I don't know if we had this conversation, but I'm up at three o'clock every morning. Kind of nuts. But part of the reason that was is knowing that I didn't have a guaranteed salary, knowing that I had no access to cash, but the mortgage was coming due in three days. There's only 24 hours in a day. Rather than working 12 hours, I got to work 16. So I started getting up earlier, coming up with my strategy, sending out my emails, searching LinkedIn, identifying prospects, thinking about what my brand's going to be. Funny thing is you start getting up at that time for days into weeks into months, it becomes routine. And now uh, I'm habitually up early, but no, there were there were tough days, but if, if it wasn't for having my back against the wall, I don't think it would have forced me to be as creative and innovative as I became. And because I became so innovative and creative, we started we started doing some pretty unique things, which led to our success. But it's not supposed to be easy. I don't know how you feel. Well, let me let me before I go on. Let me ask you that. Talk to me a little bit about easy and hard. Did all of it? All of this is. All of this is hard one. I was talking to that speaking engagement I did. I was talking to Jeff, um, the founder of Geneva Supply out in Delavan. Um, and he had a feature in Entrepreneur Magazine. He hands me the magazine and it's of this caribou. Um, and he's like, it's weird, I know, but like, listen. He said, my dad used to tell me the story about how, he's like, he's a weird guy, but the story about how businesses, when they're doing well, a lot of guys on the golf course, in the pool, traveling, chill, nothing going wrong, we're good. When they're doing bad, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders. Everybody's working, everybody's hustling, people are communicating, they're doing the work. And um, I think I skipped something about a caribou because I'm still not sure how it ties in, but <laughs> essentially that concept. Um, and right now, you know, like things like, I would say like our, our company boomed, like it blew blew up in a good way faster than any of us expected. Um, and we were hiring and making all these decisions that we didn't even know what to do, you know? Like all of a sudden we got to put taxes, employee taxes. I don't, I don't even know how this shit works, you know? Um, all of it has been hard. Um, but I would also say like going back to the time, like you just mentioned, like I remember like sitting in my 500 square foot home office, I had two extra rooms. Like I had roommates that just left. I had 925, which in looking back, it's like, oh my God, so cheap. But $925 to pay in rent with, for a three bedroom of all things. Um, and I'm like, shit, like, what am I going to do? And I, I figured it out, you know, like, and before that, I was like, I lost a big deal that I was supposed to close. The guy just ghosted me. Um, and I had no clients and rent was due in a day. And I walked out and I said, if I don't have a client by the end of this week, I am done with entrepreneurship and I'm going to go get my job back. And I had three clients the next day. Hmm. Like that, that is when, that to me is how, you know, you're supposed to be an entrepreneur. Like you figure it out. Um, Cause it's all been hard and it's problem after problem. It's literally life, problem after problem after problem after problem. And it's fun, I don't know, it's like a big science experiment. But basically, and that, just listening to you say that, that's one of the reasons I like being around you because that's infectious. Yeah. I think iron sharpens iron. When I hear you say that, that gets me excited. Now everybody, everybody's got different philosophies. I mean, to talk about a one size fits all approach to entrepreneurship isn't realistic. What motivates one person is gonna motivate somebody else maybe a little bit differently. I just know that I work better when my back is against the wall Same. when I don't have an alternative I've got to like replicate that for me like right now like I've replicated I told my business coach fire us if we don't close this amount of money in this amount of time and we've done it like got to replicate it because 
there's no feeling like being hungry. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because then what starts happening? Well, I'm I'm comfortable now, I'm complacent now, I'm not hustling as much as I used to now. Now, I don't want an inconvenient life. I mean, I wanna, I wanna provide for my family and everything else, but I don't ever wanna lose that spark. I don't ever wanna lose that desire for greatness. And, and one of the things, I read a book once about, um, it's by Robert Greene. Robert Greene writes these really big books about human psychology and everything else. No, no, no pictures, unfortunately for me. And uh, one of the things that he talked about, he told the story, I'm paraphrasing, but um, a captain from a European nation in like the 1400s, 1500s, took one of those big Mayflower-like boats and they landed on a new land uh, to try to invade it and take it over to, to have a new home. So when his men all got off the ship, just this gigantic ship, hundreds of men, as soon as the last man stepped foot on the land, what did he do? He turned around and he burned the ship. Mm. He yeah, burned the ship. And what he did is he told his men, he said, this is it. We win or we die. There's no retreat. We don't have a ship. And they won. They were outnumbered three to one, whatever the case was. But the men had no plan B. And they defeated the inhabitants of that island. I kind of want to live my life on death ground. I succeed or I die. Now, that, that, that it's kind of a, a big polarizing extreme. But if I know I don't have a plan B, if I know I don't have a fail safe, if I know I don't have something to retreat to, that always gets the best out of me. I don't know if you can relate to that, but but that is really what Dude, fear gets me is going. A, fear is a powerful thing. And I know that's more than fear. And I know the story, but fear is a powerful thing. Like I remember uh, randomly, like I was triple jumper, right? They threw me in the event and I was like, okay, this is weird, like whatever. And randomly, like I got good, like randomly. And I remember being at the state meet. I'm not really comfortable in my movements. I don't know like anything yet, but I was good. This is like my last year of high school. I could jump far. My first jump, like right before the guy who was in first place, I was ranked second randomly. Cause I, yeah, uh, I was ranked second. He comes up to me. He's like, you're the guy that's in second place. Like it's you like just talking down to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, dude, I'm just not trying yet. But I was super intimidated. I backed down a little bit. My first jump, I probably broke the record. I jumped far, but I scratched, meaning that it didn't count. Yeah. Um, second jump, I scratch. Third jump, I scratch. And then I'm coming up for this last one. I'm like in last place. All these people going in front of me. This guy's in first place. I'm in last place, even though I was seated second. And I get up to the line. If I don't make this and I'm, I'm not in the finals, but I get up to the line, I'm like, damn, like this could be my last jump of my career ever. You know, I wiggle my fingers. I'm afraid as fuck and jumped and I was in second place. You know, like that's fear. When you, when you give into it and you accept it, like it pushes you. It's a superpower. Yeah, and I'm fascinated by fear. And we could probably talk for three hours on this topic. But, and again, I don't want to make it sound like life is simple because life is not simple. But if you choose to slow life down, that's one of the things they say about LeBron James, why he's such a good basketball player. He slows the game down. If you can slow life down, you're going to be a better person. You're going to be a more successful professional. And if we can slow life down for a minute, this sounds kind of cliche, but fear can be an acronym. It can stand for one of two things. Number one, it can be forget everything and run. I feel the fear right now. Forget it. I don't want that fear. I'm going to run in the other direction because I don't like fear. Or based on what you said, the way that I choose to look at fear as well, on the other hand, fear can be an acronym that says face everything and rise. That's what I choose to do. Now, life is just about perspective readjustment. The fear you face is the same as the fear I face. The situations you face for the most part are the same situations I face. It's all about how we look, how we, what lens we look at, how we adjust our perspective accordingly. And for me, it took a while. I used to try to avoid fear like the plague. Mm -hmm. Paul, you want to speak publicly? No, no, no. Paul, you want a cocoa? No, no, no. But now I know if I can face the fear, use that fear to fuel me, 
and I can get very, very good at something that's very, very difficult, that gives me a competitive advantage. If it doesn't scare me, Q, I don't want to do it. It's become a borderline addiction for me now. And because I face my fear and let that fear fuel me, it's allowed me to do things that most people just don't do. Yeah, I love that. So talk to me a little bit about like you're in that moment of fear. Um, this is the beginning. You're starting your business. Because um, I know a lot of people that listen are in that stage or they're uh, about to enter that stage. Like what were, looking back, what were the crucial steps that you took to get you to that point where you were profitable, where you could take care of your family, where you could take care of yourself? Or, um, and I know like that's a long period and there's always things going wrong, but what were the crucial steps that you took? Yeah, so number one was just being able to conquer that fear. And the way that I, it's all about perspective. It's how you choose to look at it. And I looked at it kind of a, whatever you want to call it, like an episode of The Bachelor or an episode of Survivor. It's a test. And, and, and I kind of, I choose to look at life as a game. It's less intimidating when you look at life as a game. If it's, oh my gosh, it's life or death, that becomes a little scary. But if you look at life like a game, I lose the game, big deal. I'm, I'm off the island, whatever. But it was easy for me to say, I want to make a lot of money. It was easy for me to say, I want to be an international sales trainer. It was easy for me to say, I want to get this and that and this. I would just kind of look at it as saying, you know, if you're in my case, God, oh yeah, let's see how bad you want it. I'm going to put you in this situation. Well, if I don't want it as bad, I'm going to retreat. No, no, I want this bad. I'm going to endure it. Okay. I'm going to make you lose these three clients. Now, what are you going to do? Okay. It stinks. I've got to regroup. But I just looked at every episode of fear, every barrier that came in my way, every unforeseen circumstance, everything that went in the opposite direction of where I wanted to go as part of that game. And the more I overcame the challenges, the more I stayed in the game, the more I just kept moving forward, the better things got. Just don't let adversity beat you. So having that, having that ability to move forward was certainly a, a big one, not letting fear deter me, not letting those challenges deter me. One of the other things that I think I did that was uh, was wise, I surrounded myself with people smarter than me. I knew how to call in, in the camps of the, the, the cold call coach. I knew how to speak publicly. I knew how to market myself. I knew how to cold call, but I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to do a strategic plan. I'd rather get my teeth pulled than sit down and do a strategic plan. So I surrounded myself with people that were good at that, that liked it, that could help me build a plan. So while they're doing that, I put my head down, I run, and everything just started coming together. But the first thing was, I just had to prove to myself how badly I wanted it. And being able to stare fear down and overcome those challenges was my way of proving that to myself. Selling for yourself different than selling for Thrivent or a different company? I think to some degree, sure. Because at least when I was selling for the cold call coach, who the hell's the cold call coach? I know who Thrivent is. I know who Northwestern Mutual is. I know who you know any of these organizations are. Who are you? Why should I buy from you? And you, you would know what this is like. There is so much competition on social media today. It's like any Yahoo with a camera all of a sudden is an expert. I, I think it's, it's harder to sell yourself because you're not a known commodity yet. You don't have this organizational backing yet. You don't have a ton of credibility yet. So to build that from scratch is not easy. That's why I admire people that can do that. That's why I admire people that do have that it factor or something unique that's not there on the marketplace, yourself included. It is vastly different to sell yourself when you're on your own. It's a lot harder, but I believe once you start gaining that traction, once you start getting that momentum, once you start making a name for yourself, the ceiling can be a heck of a lot higher because there's no limit to how big you can get. Yeah, yeah, I look back. I don't, I don't have a sales background. Um, 
have a sociology background, which is people and study of like community, which is really sales to me. Um, but I don't have like a strict sales background. Izzy does. Um, and I was talking to him this morning, um, actually this afternoon, uh, went to like a lunch meeting and I was like, for whatever reason, sales is just, it's so much the easiest ever been, you know, like last, last quarter was difficult. Um, but again, I think going back to that, that caribou, I don't know where the caribou comes in, but that things are going bad. Things are going good. Like we're hustling because of this made up, we need to make this amount of money buy this, or we're going to get fired from our business coach. You know, sales have just been so easy. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, just from a cold calling perspective or sales perspective, however you want to take it, um, what, how much of it is like just clarity around who you are? How much of it is knowing like, um, knowing the market, knowing the problem, knowing the person that you're selling to, like what goes into actually a good, a good sale, sale, a good um, cold call, however you want to take that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And I think one of the, so my, my two biggest philosophies on life, and I, and I do believe this is applicable, whether you're selling yourself at Urban Misfits or whether you're thriving selling an annuity product. Two, two things. These are my, my big credos in life. Number one, people buy people first, not companies. So I need to sell myself as a human being first. Well, how do you do that? I'm not going to cold call Q and say, hey, Q, I'm a Sagittarius. I like long walks on <laughs> the beach. Are you a Sagittarius? Talk. I am a this Sagittarius. Like Our your... birthdays are pretty close. When's December, your birthday? December 13th. Oh, mine's 11th. Right? Yeah. This is why we're crazy. We're, we're right there. <laughs> yeah, Respect. absolutely. My girlfriend's is the 15th, so we're all close. Okay. Yeah, well, we just got to have a big joint party. The three just light a fire. We're man. right there. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, so you're not going to cold call and treat it like it's speed dating or something like that. When people buy people, they're buying your intangibles. It's that basket of traits that you possess that you were born with that you can't teach in a classroom. They buy your charisma. They buy your charm. They buy your ambition. They buy your drive. They buy your optimistic attitude. So the first rule about cold calling is we don't build a script to sell the company or the product. We build the script to sell you by highlighting your intangibles. I think that's true universally. The other thing that I would say when it comes to selling is this, and, and I would love your feedback on this because you're a, a very smart guy when it comes to marketing. People are not logical buyers. People are emotional buyers. Most of them, yeah. And how many times have you had it? I, I know my clients, I'm sure your clients to some degree too. But wait a minute, I could save him money, but he didn't go with me. Wait a minute, I, I can streamline his process and optimize, optimize efficiency, but he didn't go with me. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I gave him more protection at less cost, but he didn't go with me. People will not always remember what you said, but they'll never forget how they felt when you said it. I think if you can remember those two things in your social media videos, in your keynote speeches, in your cold calls, in your five minute stop-bys, sell yourself first and sell on an emotional level rather than a logical level, I think you start unlocking all the secrets to sales success right there. It's fascinating, man. You said a lot of stuff that I wanna dig a little deeper into. First, it's kinda, of, I'm just thinking, it's kinda of meta that you have to, like you're, are you cold calling for your cold calling business? Is that a thing? From time to time, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. The cold call coach cold calling today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. It's legit. Um, you said something in there um, about like selling your intangibles and any any call, especially for like our influencer accelerator programs, like I talk about the it factor um, and I can't work with people that don't have an it factor, but I also believe that everybody has an it factor. They're just not aware of the it factor. Um, 
What is yours? Can I, real quick, before yeah, you do that, because yeah. I know it's your show, I don't want to- No, you're the good, man. You know what draws me most to you? Your vulnerability. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but but honestly, Q, and I have a lot of admiration for you. I think you know Appreciate that. It, man. You could be arrogant if you chose to be. <laughs> you, you you could be looking your, down, your nose down on a lot of people if you chose to be. I mean, I know life's not easy for you, but you got one heck of a story. You've worked hard to get to where you are and you earn everything that you have. But I think that's one of the things that draws people to you is you are vulnerable. I can relate to you. Yeah, Q's successful, but I can relate to the struggles he goes with because you're so open about it. And, and that was part of the reason we wanted you to be a keynoter for Young Guns is because you're good for our brand because we want to be op open-minded, but we also want to be realistic. Life is tough. I don't want to. I don't want to have a bunch of people take the stage and act like their their stuff don't stink. I mean, life is tough, and I think that's part of the reason people are drawn to you. You're one of us. We can relate to you. So sure. I don't know if you've heard that before or if if that resonates with you. But your posts, your videos, your vulnerability comes through in shining colors, and I think that's part of the reason you've had the success that you've had. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a. Uh... I think a lot about like the journey, but from like a mental perspective, um, it's very, very fascinating to me, you know, cause when I started, started it, weird 22, 21, honestly, a year old kid didn't know anything about anything. Just curious, you know, it's still me. I don't know anything about anything. I'm just curious. The more I know, I'm like, damn, I really don't know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much out there, man. There's so many people that are way more talented than myself. Like I travel all the time. I was in New York like a couple of days ago and like all these amazing minds, all these amazing people. I talked to so many people, you know, and they're just so much smarter than I am. And um, my life, I treat it like a science experiment, you know, like I... What the fuck am I going to gain from pretending that I know everything? What the fuck am I going to gain by acting big when I know I'm not? You know, like I can, I'm good at making money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm good at selling myself. I'm good at telling a story. That's about it, man. Sometimes video games, like that's about it. Um, and I think people can gain a lot from just being open, being vulnerable. All I'm doing is saying what's real, yeah. which is sad that that's rare. You know? it, it is kind of sad, but, but, but that's the way that I'm not going to name names, but that's the way that I try to, to lead my life as well, too. I mean, you'll see some of these high profile sales characters, sales trainers. They're standing in front of their Rolls Royces. Uh, they're, yeah. they're going live in their private plane. Fine. To, to a certain segment of the audience, that might be kind of appealing. I want that. I want to aspire to that. That ain't real life. Who can relate to that? I mean, if, if anything else, that guy seems kind of out of touch with it's reality. building story brand, man. It's not about like someone, the best way to put it, someone walked up to me and I'm like, dude, I love your company. I'm like, thank you, dude. Like, thank you for like following. Thank you for supporting us. He's like, I love it because no offense, not because of you, not because of Eric, not because of Izzy or Tess or anyone, not even your dog. I love it because I identify as a misfit. Hmm. I see myself in your story. That's everything, man. Like that is, that's everything. I talk a lot about brand. You look at your favorite musician, like the Beatles, Adele, like Ed Sheeran, like Post Malone, it doesn't matter. Like you don't just like them more than likely for your favorite one, at least their sound or their voice or their guitar or their band or their beliefs or any of that. It's everything. Yeah. It's this feeling that they make you feel, you know, like that what? to me, that's brand. And what I just say, what you just said it, that feeling that they make you feel. They don't always remember what you said, but they'll never forget how they felt when you said it. That's the secret sauce. Again, LeBron James, slow life down. Sale, sales is not easy, 
But it's a hell of a lot easier than a lot of people say it is if you just subscribe to those basic principles. You had asked me a question. I'll get back to you real quick. Uh, you talked about what are what are my intangibles. I think of all the intangibles I have, the, 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 the two really that separate me, empathy and curiosity. You can't teach empathy. You either have it or you don't. I mean, my empathy is a little extreme. I mean, I'll cry at a Visa commercial. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can relate to people. And especially before coming on uh, as president of the Star Group, especially when all I was doing was cold call training. Man, people would email me. I haven't slept in three days. I can't digest food. I, I was crying under my desk at the thought of picking up the phone and cold calling. I relate to that. My heart goes out to that. And because... That's where a lot of people start. So how do we how do we connect at a, a deep emotive level? How do I how do I meet you where you are and build a training program around that? And my empathy has served me well. But then curiosity, man, I, I, I question everything. I question why you're wearing the hat. I, I mean, my, my curiosity is insatiable, yeah. and and I mean that literally, insatiable. I have never been able to quench my curiosity, See? and I, and I think that's part of the reason why we're doing so well at the Star Group. I mean, insurance. Well, how boring is that? I mean, they talk about a commodity. Well, I'm going to question how we sell insurance. I want to question how we market it. I want to question how we train our producers. I want to question how we market ourselves on social media. I want to question how our competition does things. And the more you question, the more you look under the hood, you start putting pieces together. You start coming up with answers because I had the courage to dig deep and question things. And I think some people just don't take the time to do that. The thing that I love about you, like the most about you, um, when I first met you, I was like, damn, dude has a good podcast voice, got a good radio <laughs> voice, he needs a podcast. Um, but I watched one of your speaking videos. I'm like, who the fuck is that? It's like, damn, that's a lot of energy. I was like, where did that come from? You know, and it's like, but it was real and it was genuine. And like, I, I totally relate to the curiosity standpoint or point because same for me. I was talking to, um, I want to say kid, but 17 year old guy, um, Financial Wolf on YouTube. I don't know his real life. I just know Financial Wolf. He was so memorable. And he's talking about his passions. And he's like, well, what do I do? What do I want to do more of? Um, he's like, well, I just really love selling things. I love what I'm doing. I don't really read or do anything else, else like that. I don't really have balance in my life. I'm just doing what I love, you know? And I'm like, why is that not balance? You know, like you're doing what you love and you have like this, you have this sense of clarity um, in unapologetically you that I wish I could just give to everybody else because once you have that, it's so much easier to sell. Because then it's like, okay, you don't like me? Whatever, I'm not gonna convince you to mm -hmm. like me. I'm not gonna convince you that you need this product. I'm just gonna show up and I know it's gonna help you. Boom, here you go. Like, I love that. Well, and I appreciate that. And I'm sure you can relate to this cue, but I, it wasn't always that way. I mean, man, I, I can think about how you know, you, you meet somebody at Thriving for a financial services appointment and, and, and you're just not clicking and you hear later on that they told a friend of a friend that there's just they, there's something off. I, that, that would stay with me for a long time. I, I'd give a speech and I'd get um, 90, 100 reviews, 99 good ones. But this one person just didn't like one thing that stuck, stuck with me for three or four days. So it takes time. You, you have to develop that callus. You have to develop that thick skin. At the end of the day, I think to some degree we all want to be light. But man, if, if, if you just start focusing on the critic, if you just start focusing on the, the people that say a couple of bad things about you and you start missing the big picture, that just distracts you from every place you want to go. But, but I think the other thing is too, real quick, there, there's a, a nuance. And I talk about this in my Everybody's an Entrepreneur speech. A lot of people in life let their standing determine their identity. Mm -hmm. and, and all I mean by that, and you talk about the world of sales, right? So let's use that as an example. So if you let your standing determine your identity in one week, 
you're booking six new clients, you've got nine RFPs, your social media posts have unbelievable metrics, your standing is up, therefore your identity is up. Now you go three weeks in the desert, we've all been there. I lost two clients, zero RFPs, is the LinkedIn algorithm broke, nobody's seeing my posts, your standing goes down, therefore your identity goes down. I mean, that is a roller coaster nobody wants to be on when you let your standing determine your identity. Part of the reason I'm where I'm at now, and I think to some degree you are where you are, because we flipped it. Our identity determines our standing. When you know who you are, when you know what you stand for, when you're rooted in a belief system bigger than you, nothing can change that. My sales are down, I'm still the same guy. This guy didn't like my talk, I'm still the same guy. I lost three clients today, I'm still the same guy. So before you can get out there and before you can really start putting yourself out there, social media, otherwise public speaking, you gotta figure out who you are. And once you're rooted in your identity, you like your identity and you're comfortable in your identity, you are a firm foundation that no temporary win can blow you off of. Dude, I 1000% agree with that. I hate the, this idea of, especially young people that we need to push and build and invest in our personal brand when all we should be saying is invest in you, build you. So I think once you have that clarity around who you are yep. and what you're good at, what you're passionate about, the personal branding, it's personal branding just comes naturally, you know? Like people try to be who they're not or people lean into something they're not because they don't know what they are because they haven't explored it. So I, I 1000% agree with that. Man. Well, how do you, because you're the storyteller expert, uh, especially among the two of us, how do you get people to, uh, to figure out what their identity is? Dude, I did. honestly, like the best, the best way that it was put to me, I think it was in a blog. Um, one, exploration, like go fail, go test things. You're not going to find anything if you don't do those things. But the best way in terms of like, let's say that it factor or the thing that um, you love, whatever it is, Identify three to five of your passions or skills. Don't master those passions or skills. Master the intersection, the intersection of those, those passions and those skills. I think that was the best way that anyone ever put it to me. Because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go. Um, I have no idea. And I just started exploring these different things. And then I was like, oh, I really love technology and these virtual reality experiences and things like that. Oh, I love sociology and psychology and the mind. And why do people do what they do? Oh, I really love story. Oh, I really love strategy. You know, and what's the intersection of all that? Where do I want to go? And that helped me get clear a lot. I'm like, this is the kind of person that I am. This is how I can separate myself from everybody else in terms of skill set by being useful and being different than everybody else. My favorite quote is, it's good to be better, but it's better to be different. Yeah. You know, Starbucks didn't succeed because it was the first coffee shop. It succeeded because it was different. Um, so I would say that's helpful, but like, just go fail. You know, like just starting a company was probably the... The thing that helped me figure out who I am the most, because I failed so goddamn much. <laughs> the second second company, same thing. This company, same thing, because you fail all the time. I know what kind of leader I am. Yeah. I know if I started a company, another company tomorrow, I would know exactly what I would need, like immediately, because I know who I am. I yeah. suck at this and this and this and this and this and this. The list is very long, but I'm very freaking good at two to five things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but just failure. And identifying those three to five things, I would say at least that's what's been helpful for me. Yeah, I don't know if you could relate to this either. I know this is going to be a bit of an attention grabbing statement, but I advise people not to set goals. Mm. 
And, and part of the reason I say that is, so for instance, uh, goals. Somebody, we're, we're heading into the new year, somebody could say, well, my goal is to lose weight. So they go to the gym, they try to lose weight, etc. Goals are short-term, goals are temporary, and sometimes the motivation behind a goal does not align with who you are. So for instance, I tell people, don't have goals, understand what your values are. Spend more time on your values than your goals. So a goal could be to lose weight. A value could be maintain a healthy lifestyle. I think if you know what your value is and you know that you value integrity, you value honesty, you value a healthy, well-rounded life, the goals are gonna take care of themselves. But people spend too much time focusing on the goals as opposed to knowing what their values are, what they believe, forget the goals list, forget how much revenue, forget all the things you wanna do with your business. I wish more people would spend time on their values because now if I identify my values, I know who I am, I know what I stand for, and everything works accordingly. If, if I value a healthy lifestyle, not only am I gonna to go to the gym, not only am I gonna lose weight, not only am I gonna stop smoking, that's going to have more positive ramifications for my entire life because living a healthy lifestyle touches almost everything I can do in any given day. So that's one of the things that I tell my producers at the Star Group. I tell my clients, forget the goals. Don't worry about goals. Focus on the values and all of those ancillary benefits come with that. I love that. I love the, I love the focus on values. I think like tying together what you were saying before too with clarity and the values. Um, also just knowing who you are. And you said it earlier, like not everything's for everybody. Knowing who you are, like you might find something on the podcast that's like, damn, like that's cool. But is that me? Like if you're analytical and you're like, that's what you love, fuck yeah, set some goals, you know? Like, are you running a business? You probably need some goals. But like, who are you as a person? Like for sure, get clear on the values. I think everybody needs to do that. But who are you as a person? How does this advice tie into that? And I love, I love that. But if you could, <laughs> you could put one thing on a billboard for the whole world to see, what would it be? What would it say? However you want to take that. Boy. Besides cold call. Yeah. Cold call <laughs> coach. Yeah. It'd have to be a big billboard. Um, the, the first, just because I, I go off of instinct and intuition, the first thing that comes to my mind is part of the way that I run my life. And that's this. Make the impossible possible. And I think, again, slowing the game down, however you want to say it, it's only impossible until somebody does it for the first time. And I am drawn to things that are impossible. It's impossible to get good at cold calling. Yeah? Watch me. It's impossible for a large independent family-owned insurance agency to have success when they hire a 34-year-old young man with no insurance experience to run it. Yeah? Watch me. It's impossible for somebody to give a speech on differentiation where he can teach somebody within five seconds to look different, sound different, act different, and message different, regardless of how much competition they have out there. Yeah? Watch me. I would just implore everybody out there to strive to make the impossible possible. I mean, could you imagine if the folks at NASA, it's impossible to land on the moon, we'll skip that. George Washington, it's impossible for us colonialists to defeat the British Empire. Yeah, we'll skip that one. If everybody every day just believed the impossible was possible, believed that they could make the impossible possible, what an unbelievable magical world we could live in. This world beats people down. This world tells you, you're not good enough, Q. You're not talented enough, Q. You don't look like everyone, Q. You don't have the education that everybody has, Q. That stuff messes with your mind. But if somebody can believe 
that it's not their standing that determines their identity, but their identity that determines their standing, and they just know that the impossible can, in fact, be possible, that's the world I want to live in every day, and that's the change I try to bring to this world every day. We usually ask a question to all of our guests about what makes them a misfit or what, what makes them strange on purpose, and I, I don't think I need to ask you because I think you've said it this entire episode, and I think that answer was perfect. Um, that's beautiful, dude. Like that and your curiosity and your like your grit and you need to just fucking do things and i put the f word there on purpose because i need that <laughs> emphasis like that energy that you brought on stage when i saw that video for the first time like surprised the hell out of me but it's, it's just so real it's just so like meek and not meek in a way that's weak meek like that jesus meek like i'm gonna pull out a whip and whip you because you're freaking doing things you shouldn't be like meek i love that like and i, I think that that sets you apart from so many people that just need to scream all the time. Mm. So many people that need to beat their chest all the time or stand in, stand in front of the, the Lamborghini all the time. You know, like I, I love that. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, lastly, where, where can people learn more? Where can they check out Young Guns? Where can they learn more about you? And where can they learn how to cold call better? Because yeah. all of us suck at it. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, so kind of the, the one-stop shop is my website, which is just Paul M, my middle initial, Paul M Newberger. Dot com. Everything is there. We've got the attachment to Young Guns there, Cold Call Coach there, the Star Group there, kind of the one-stop shop. But I got to tell you, though, it is really awesome not only to be here with you today, but to be partnering with you in Young Guns. Well, one of the things that I really admire, I know you didn't ask me this, but one of the things I really admire a lot about you outside of your ability to be vulnerable and be your authentic self, I think you appreciate this. I mean, the way you act tells me that you do. But to be a high profile person on social media or otherwise, that is a big responsibility because you have a lot of people watching you. You have a lot of people listening to you. You have a lot of people learning from you. That's a responsibility I wish more people took seriously rather than just some of these YouTube people. Hey, I'm in a bathtub full of cereal. I'm just going to talk about whatever else. Why are you using that responsibility the way that you should? What I like about UQ is you're vulnerable, you're authentic. But I know you take that responsibility seriously and you're making people better. You're allowing them to provide for their families better. You're helping them find their authentic voice better. And I think everybody that attends Young Guns event on February 27th is going to learn that from you. Is going to learn that from the other speakers that we have. And it's just a blessing to, to serve with you in that capacity. Geeked, man. I'm super excited. Um, might have to turn like a, turn the entire event into like a podcast or something. Hey. You're the, the, that's your area of expertise, man. I'll, I, will, <laughs> I will defer to you on that one. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. I don't know it. why I fist bump, but I do every episode. And then I say I don't know why I fist bump. This <laughs> <laughs> repeats, man. Well, that, that's how I fist bump. I, I kind of punk people out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is dope.